Welcome into the Snapped Podcast, my personal audio journal. My name is Tyler Kluber. I'm a personal trainer and podcaster, but it gets a little bit deeper than that. And this show is going to give you an inside look on my thoughts concerning health and fitness, business, mindset, and creating the life that you feel lucky to live. I hope you enjoy the show. Sit back, relax, and let's have a day. have a day let's fucking have a day um welcome in snap podcast hopefully gonna be a quick one i say that every time oh it ends up being 30 minutes trash at podcasting can't ever actually go for just 10 minutes maybe we do today i don't know if you're watching the video version which you aren't because nobody does uh tyler kluver on youtube um but no one's gonna go watch that anyway not really that important. It's just me sitting at my desk chair. And today I'm in the dark. I'm in the dungeon. A little bit of a darker day. The sun is not shining. Um, and that is the way it is. And I have my shirt off. You can see my freshly manscaped chest. Baby smooth. Um, that is where we sit. It's currently 10 a.m. on the dot. And I am hungry as hell. This morning I did a zone two running session a zone two running i've been doing most of them we talked about the peloton last week i've been doing most of them on the peloton bike um or the bike erg if you will it is the easiest uh, on the joints obviously you're not taking that beating from running on the road like i did today however i do believe that spending some time on my feet uh spending some time running because it is such a different form of cardio than biking is beneficial for my fitness. While I don't think that running, and this is probably a whole different episode, while I don't think that running is a great form of exercise in, oh, there's yawn. Let's go. I don't think it's a great form of exercise in uh, the way that most people do. I do think as part of a performance program or as a performance athlete, that running is crucial in two aspects, both endurance running and being able to sprint or do shuttle run type workouts. CrossFit, CrossFit specifically, those definitely come up. So, um, and I actually do think that running is a huge part of building that aerobic base. I don't think that, I think if I were to approach this next year and, you know, we're already cutting into it, you know, it's, it's May CrossFit semifinals kick off this weekend. I am fucking stoked. Anybody who follows CrossFit the next four weekends, there's just, there's um, two or three semifinals over the next four weekends. Um, which will qualify both individuals and teams to the CrossFit games. So this is like CrossFit porn for me. Um, that was to illustrate that basically we're already into May, uh, back half of May, working on June, and the Open is in February. So we have nine months, right? We're already down to you know the, the Open finishes, and it's like, oh, I've got a whole year for next year. 
we're already kind of looking at nine ish, 10 months left. We're, you know, we're 20, 15, 20% into what I can put together for training for next season. And if I were to approach that whole next season without doing longer running and sprinting, right? Some track workouts this summer, I think that'll have planned, maybe even um, doing some in cleats and doing some, some field sprints, going back to the old football conditioning days. I think I'm leaving some on the table there. There's a, uh, there's a benefit of just running that your body can only get from running. And if you're not doing it, obviously you're not going to tap into that. Um, we can get a lot of it from riding the bike or even the rower, but both of those implements, you're not supporting your own body weight. You're seated and you're not having to carry yourself, right? The rower, you're on a track and you're pushing back and forward on a roller, the bike, you're literally standstill and it's just your legs moving. And if you're on a, on a road bike, the wheels are carrying you across the, the road. Running, you are supporting your own body weight and propelling yourself forward, which brings in an entirely new element. And when we're talking about putting in time on your feet, hours of fitness, hours of zone two training, um, in that vast volume, you gain something very specific. Um, and I think that that's, that's important. So today, all that being said, today we did a, eh, what I would call a six to 10 minute warm up, And then I ran for 45 minutes, which is how we get to today's topic. For once I've gone chronologically into how I got to a topic. I have not run specifically just running. As we know, we went through some marathon, half marathon, damn DSM episodes and training and uh, breakdowns last year. Um, as I ran the damn DSM in August. And a lot of my stuff was, uh, was running based. I was running, you know, over 20 miles a week, upwards of 30, 35 miles a week at sometimes. Um, I have not run longer than a mile, maybe even less, maybe a half mile um, straight without stopping or in a, you know, in a, in a Metcon workout conditioning workout where we're doing intervals. I haven't run a mile straight since that uh, damn DSM race, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. It's been nine months since I've ran more than a mile. And I went out and ran today. I will tell you, this is what we get. We get that real life, live time. I ran 4.6 miles today. Now that's nothing impressive. That is nothing impressive. I also was running at a zone two heart rate, which meant that I was running very slow because running for me, um, and I think for most people, but specifically for me, jacks up my heart rate especially when I'm not doing it in, you know, in the fashion I was doing it today on a regular basis, you know, riding the C2 bike, I can go to pretty good clip, move those legs pretty fast, but because I'm not supporting my own weight 
and you know, just the nature of riding a Peloton, my heart rate takes a while to get up there into the 130s, 40s, low 150s. Running, I can get my heart rate up running-wise by not going very fast. I'm talking a nine or 10-minute mile. I can be out of zone two quickly. So I had to start at a like a like a mom walk pace where I'm just making it look like I'm jogging like that slow, and then um, because my fitness level is a little higher than the last time I was running, um, you know I was in the I was in the 120s. I have a ceiling, a zone two ceiling that sits in the mid 150s. So I had a little room to play with. So we, we bumped it up, but I was really running like 11 minute miles, slow miles, right? And that's what zone two training is. The ability to go annoyingly slow where it still is just making you breathe a little bit for a really long time. And I thought to myself, holy shit, like I, I would at one point, first of all, my fitness level is so high right now that after not running more than 800 meters for nine months, I can go out and run five miles and it be a zone two recovery day. I'm proud of that. That's cool. Running five miles for a lot of people. And granted, I'm not trying to judge myself off the general population here, but most people would struggle running a mile, let alone five, let alone five being your recovery day. So I'm proud of that. I'm, you know, great. I'm fit. But even just two or three years ago, maybe let's call it, let's call it uh, three to four years ago, I would have told you that genetically, I'm just not able to do that. I would have chalked it up. And that's what today's episode is about, genetics, how they play a role and how they don't play a role specifically, or how you can, how you can beat them or express the best of your own genetics. I think that right off the bat, and this is where I was stuck for a really long time, I think that almost everyone, if not everyone, at some point when it comes to their athletic ability or their exercise ability has used genetics as an excuse as a complete blind excuse in most cases, because they don't know. I don't even really know how much it, it would be very hard. You know, there's plenty of research um, and, and actual scientists and smart people who have done research out there, but it's hard to pinpoint and give a number or, or an analysis of like, Hey, here's your specific individual genetics out of all the 8 billion people on earth. Here's exactly what you should be capable of. Like, there's just really no way to do that. And we're not even close to that. Most people are just like, yeah, my, uh, well, the, the re- most of my family's not athletic, so it's just my genetics. It's, sh- it's so short-sighted. It's crazy short-sighted. And the reason we do it is because we don't want to we, we are not ones to just openly jump to, oh, it's my fault, right? That's what we're doing. We're just making an excuse. We're using the genetics as an excuse. And over the last 
three to four years specifically. Uh, because this was even a thing for me in college. I would, I would use the genetics excuse with even more, you know, I was even more informed, right? Exercise science major, uh, tons of personal research and trial and error and lifting. And I always thought like, man, I just, um, I'm just not going to ever be this strong or I'm just not going to ever be this fast. X, Y, Z, right? And I've realized over the past couple of years that it's pretty much bullshit. Pretty much bullshit. Genetics is a factor, right? And that's what I'm here to say. This isn't a genetics don't matter podcast episode because genetics absolutely do matter. Genetics, if anything, are going to tell you or sort of help you arrive at where most people find themselves current day, meaning this. Before I started heavily training to be a CrossFit athlete, my genetics allowed me to be okay fit, right? As far as like an aerobic engine, how, how fit I can, how long I can go, how, how well my lungs worked. I was okay fit, right? Probably a little below average. I was above average strong and I was really, really good at weird skills, like the skills of CrossFit, handstand push-ups, pistols, um, the weird shit, right? You know, and that's what my genetics allowed me to be. I now current day am really fit relative to you know, your average CrossFitter or your general population. I'm really strong and I'm still really good at the weird shit. Like I'm, I am in the, I'm in the top, uh, oh, I don't know, top 10% of the open and then top, I'm in the top like 0.5% of CrossFitters in the world or whatever, right? I'm, I was top 750 CrossFitters in the entire world. But I couldn't even win my school mile. I couldn't even get top five in the school mile when, 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 when we were younger. I was the athlete. I was pissed. And that's, I think, you know, it's funny because that's, that's where I think uh, genetics, I think, started to become an excuse for me. And granted, they were, right? Like, to some extent, they were. When you're a little kid, hardly any little kids have been put on regimented training programs to work on weaknesses, right? So you're just going to be what you are. And Zach Wells was a tall, lanky motherfucker who had an engine and was who, who didn't weigh very much. And he could run like a motherfucker and he would always win the school mile. And a couple other kids would beat me and I'd come in fourth or fifth, right? Top 10 for sure but I couldn't win the school mile. I was always stronger than the other kids, right? I thought that, uh, you know, here, here's where I think genetics play a significant role. And that is, and I believe this is actually in most sports, not all, 
some sports are so there's so many factors CrossFit being actually one of them because I don't believe um, well, because I'm sort of just proving it wrong on a daily basis. Uh, but some sports basketball, Hey, LeBron James was built for basketball. He's six, eight, two sixty. He's fucking 10% body fat and he can fly like Elon Musk's rockets. Fucking built for basketball, right? I'm 5'10". Fat chance. I mean, go in to every roster on the NBA. Do the research. I don't know if there's... I don't know if there's five players in the NBA right now that are shorter than six feet. I don't know. I doubt it. Right? So the odds are bad. Not impossible. There's been a couple players who have been under... You know, who have been 5'10 or, or shorter. Spud Webb was like 5'6 and dunking on motherfuckers. But it's probably not going to happen. The genetics are not, genetics will never, well, I mean, I'm sure there's some cases in really specific areas or tests or whatever where genetics are telling, will tell you, yes, you are able to do this. No, you're not. But they're more than likely, 99% of the time, never going to tell you absolutely yes or absolutely no, you can't but it will put you on the spectrum of how hard it will be to achieve something. NBA basketball player for me was never going to happen. NFL football player definitely wasn't going to happen at linebacker. Right. Snapper. I thought I had a chance and then turns out, and this is where I'm getting to at in some sports where there's so much participation and you're in such a wide field. Um, to reach the very, very top, the 1% of the 1%, the elite, genetics are going to uh, play a significant role in your ceiling, right? And for me, I was not able to reach the NFL. Um, you know, who knows if I actually would have made a roster? Probably not. The odds are still against just because of how few spots there are. But I was literally told by NFL scouts, you're too short. We simply aren't going to even give you a look or a chance because you're just too short. I can't control that. I was heavy enough. I snapped well enough. I could run and, and actually play football after the snap on punts specifically that uh, that was at a, an NFL level. And I was just too short. There's a reason why they want tall people. That isn't important. I was too short. So genetics actually did play a role in me reaching the very, very, very pinnacle of, of my position. But I was able to play Division I football at a very high level. And I was 5'10 and a pudgy kid from Marshalltown, Iowa. So yes, genetics did play a role in that. Right? Genetics do play a role if you're trying to be the elite of the elite because what the elite of the elite have is not only the best work ethic, not only the experience, the time, the reps put in, but they're the ones that have all of that plus the predisposition, the genetics to go along with it. Most people who are the best at what they do, especially when it comes to physical sport 
activity exercise type stuff. They were both born with the right genes and they have the right resources. They've gone through the right training. They've put in enough time. They've gotten lucky. Everything has fallen in place for them. So yes, you're not going to be able to be the elite of the elite of the elite, the best in the world at something. But you can get really damn close. Another example and sort of uh, a story I would tell myself is in the weight room in Iowa. Um, when it comes to lifting weights and the important lifts in football, which are like bench, deadlift, squat, those three specifically, and then the Olympic lifts, hang clean and hang snatch came into play. I was, uh, I would call myself, and I'm still this way, right? Genetically, I'm better at benching my chest muscles, my pectorals, the way I'm built, my arm length, all of this stuff, the muscle fibers in my chest versus the muscle fibers in my legs. I am a bench guy. I am not a, a um, natural deadlift or squat guy. Even as a big muscular guy right now, fit guy, I do not have uh I wouldn't even call my, my max squat or my max deadlift impressive to, you know, even an average guy in the gym who's just like into deadlifting and squatting. You know, I can, I can squat maybe for a little over 400 pounds for one rep, 415, 420 if I'm lucky. I think I could deadlift maybe close to 450. That's it. Those aren't impressive numbers. I could bench in the 300s easily at my max uh, over 350, closer to 400, the same as my squat and my deadlift. Something's going on there, right? There were guys that I would work out with where I was like, I can, I'm never going to be able to move weight. There's guys who I would work out with who would put 500 pounds plus on the bar and move it for three, four, or five reps and I know that I maybe have a one rep max potential of around 500 someday. And they would move it fast, right? And they're up in the 600s, closer to 700 range. Now, again, I'm lifting weights with some of the best of the best athletes. Division one football players, division one linemen. They've got a little bit more strength naturally than me in in their legs and in their deadlifting and squatting muscles. That's okay. I outbenched a lot of them. It wouldn't let me be the best of the best, but here's where I started to break this stuff down. And like I said, 22 minute, 23 minute podcast, it's going to be 30 minutes, just the way this motherfucker works. I had it chalked up in my head that, you know, uh, you know, 400 pounds, 350 to 400 was about my max. That's where I was going to top out squatting wise. It was just never going to be better than that. Never was. I had it in my head in college because up through college, I was never the skinny kid. I never had abs, right? In high school, I wasn't that guy. I was, you know, I had big arm muscles. But I, I did not have, you know, I did not have definition, right, when it comes to a physique or aesthetic, which is not the almighty important thing. 
but obviously now doing CrossFit and everything that I do, it's a byproduct of, of how I work out, how I eat. Um, I thought that genetically that just, that body was not in the cards for me. I can show you pictures of me truly fat as fuck. And granted at one point I was intentionally trying to be that weight when I was you know, go back to that snapping thing. When I was the right weight, I was 240, 245 at my max, 243. I was fat. I was big time fat. There was no definition in my body. And I and my body easily got there. It it was not hard for me to put on that weight and carry that weight around. My body genetically evidently it was just there was not a lot of resistance to like hey if we want to look like this it's not that hard some people genetically at least when they're younger in their 20s and 30s and below some people can't put on weight my brother uh, my middle brother if he tried to get fat it would be very difficult for him it's just how his body works he has a naturally higher metabolism My body had no problem putting weight on. And even when I was trying to stay at a performance weight during college, 210, 215, that was a tubby, thick, sort of fatty 215. I always wanted abs. Every guy does, right? I always wanted to be that guy who was like both big and built and the right weight. I wish I was 220, but with the definition right? I wanted to be shredded, but I thought, you know what? That's just not really in the cards. My genetics, you know, you look at my dad and my mom, neither of them are super small. You look at the rest of my family, you know, we're not a, we're not a family of fucking my 600 pound lifers, but we're also not a family of, you know, supermodels either. I thought, you know what? That's probably just not in the cards. I don't know if abs and holding that kind of body fat is, is capable. If I'm capable of that because of my genetics and it was all bullshit. And I proved that it was bullshit without working out. I started just eating correctly. This is why informing yourself and learning and educating yourself on how food works and how exercise works and how to pair them together and how to eat and exercise for your goals specifically. I had a hurt knee coming out of that uh, 240 phase. I retired from football involuntarily, LOL. And uh, was going to rest my knee by not working out at all for three months to see if it would heal. During those three months, I lost 25 or 30 pounds simply by eating correctly or eating better. And by the time I got my knee surgery and healed from that, it had been about five months since I had done any working out, no squatting, no high intensity, anything. Again, just five months of eating correctly. I'm now 200 pounds and I'm starting to have abs. I'll never forget the video I found in high school of Steve Cook. Abs are made in the kitchen. And it's true. Looking and feeling the way that you want is 80% diet. You obviously have to work out to have muscle mass and all this stuff. But if you just want to be a skinny guy and see your muscles, everybody's got muscles. 
right? And if you work down enough on the fat by through diet and nutritional intervention, you will be able to see them at some point. And I started to see my abs and I was like, holy shit. Genetics is, I can beat my genetics. I can get there. It's just going to take a lot more work from me. And obviously now for three plus years, I've carried a body fat of, you know, maybe at most 15%, um, all the way down to probably somewhere around seven or 8%, maybe eight or nine. Um, I look great. I feel great. And yes, I work very hard at it, but I'm eating 35 to 4,000, 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day right now and maintaining a lean body mass because I put in the work. It takes a lot of fucking work, right? I never thought we're going to close with this one again right now. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to be one of the best CrossFitters in the world. And for a very long time during college, when I was not doing any type of that training on, the, on, a, on a regular basis, it was very uninformed. I would hit a, a wad or a Metcon every here and, you know, every once in a while. And I would, I would do the open every year as it came around, even though I hadn't been training for it at all. And I was just doing football training. And I thought, because I was a D1 athlete, a football player, I was under a D1 strength conditioning system that I would be fit for CrossFit. Just doesn't work that way. And the times that I would put up as a healthy 20-year-old Division I athlete, I was looking at people doing workouts in half the time. People who didn't even look close to as jacked or as fit as I did. But they were crushing me. And I thought, you know what? It must just be genetics. Like, my, I'm just not genetically that fit. My lungs will never be able to X, Y, Z. Now that I'm more into it, back then what I, was, what I was really trying to come up with in my brain was my VO2 max will just never be that way. My body will not be able to process oxygen as fast as these guys do, and it's because they were genetically built that way. Turns out I've been training CrossFit hard legitimately for eight or nine months now, doing zone two training, doing proper training. Within six months of that kind of training, I was top 350 in the country and top 750 in the world. Competing on aerobic levels in aerobic long endurance workouts with some of the best in the world. Turns out you just have to put in the work. Am I ever going to be the best? Are my lungs ever going to be the best? No but I can get them to a place where I can compete. Are my, is my squat ever going to be 550, 600 pounds? No, but it damn sure can be more than 375, which is where I was stuck at for a long fucking time. The most I ever squatted in college was 405 pounds. It was during that heavy phase when I got super strong and super big. And I put 405 on and did it once. And it was a struggle. I was 240. Back this winter, before I hurt my knee, I finally decided to buck the fuck up and just understand that, hey, if I want a big squat, I'm going to have to work for it. And what do you know? I threw 70 pounds on my squat max. We talked about the 20 rep uh, 
program. We did a whole episode on it. I put 70 pounds on my squat max in six weeks. And yeah, it was a bitch. It was hard work. My legs were destroyed almost every day. But if you want something, you can go get it. Genetics ain't holding you back. At a body weight of 190, 195 maybe, I'd have to look. I went and squatted that same 405. I was, I was 80% of what I used to weigh. And I put the same weight on the bar and crushed it. It's on my Instagram. You can go look at the rep. It's a good, solid, pr- like pretty strong rep at 400 pounds or 405. And it's at some point, I've actually got the same 20 rep squat cycle or another 12 week squat cycle that I'm considering doing. Um, my squat still there the other day I did a, I wrecked myself with, um, 50 squat, like a volume squat day ended with a set of 16 at 260. Right. You do the math and I ended that six week squat cycle where you're doing 20 reps every day. I ended that on the last day with 20 reps at 270. I only didn't do 20 reps the other day with 260 to stay safe because there's no reason, but I could have. I did not hit failure. So I'm still right there. And if I do another one of those squat cycles, who knows? Do I put on another 20 or 30 or 40 pounds? Do I raise my max squat to 440, 450? All of a sudden, now I'm starting to get just in range of, hey, fuck, 500's around the corner. Like if you want it, if I want it, I can go get it. It's just going to be a little harder for me. If I wanted abs and I did, it was just going to be a little bit harder for me. And it actually wasn't that hard. I just had to stop eating like an asshole. Turns out it wasn't genetics. I was just eating like a fucking idiot. I ran a half marathon in an hour 50. Never thought I could do that. Always thought I was, oh, I'm not the cardio guy. Oh, I don't think I could run more than 10 miles. Ended up running a half marathon in a good time, a full marathon on lackluster training and ran the full 26. You can do shit if you want to. Your genetics ain't stopping you. But it's going to be a bitch. And that's why people use the excuse. So I implore you, don't use the excuse. Don't fall into that trap. Your genetics are fine. You're just weak. Go get better. Go do the work. Go make it happen. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.